I think that one out of every two, or more likely two out of every three people in here that are a co-founder are not purebred actual entrepreneurs and are making a mistake in starting a company. And let me explain what I mean by that. And I know that's a raz and that's like a tough thing to say, but it, it leads to a bigger conversation of self-awareness. I'm not saying it like, I'm cool, I am, you aren't. I'm saying that we are living through a narrative time right now where over the last half decade, entrepreneurship has been glorified to an extreme where everybody just feels that they're entitled and should and it's attractive to start a company and what they're really doing is not putting themselves in the best position to succeed and are wasting time hurting their brand, losing people's money, uh, doing a lot of things that won't help them and stunting their own growth because they would have been incredible number twos, threes, fours, and five. You have a lot of people that are built DNA wise and skill wise and have studied and went through school and have been formed and have trained to be unbelievable consultants at Bain and McKinsey and other places, have a great career and then get involved in entrepreneurial ventures where they can leverage the monies they made and invest in things of that nature who are starting consumer apps out the gate and have no fucking clue how to be a true bred entrepreneur because they don't have the stomach to deal when the market says go fuck yourself, right? And so, that's a problem. And more importantly, that problem, bless you, and that problem is about to rear its head because as a lot of people in this room know, you know, I know, and I'm sure others as I look around, as money crunches start to happen, bless you. I think that a lot of, I think that we've just lived through the golden era of people saying they were entrepreneurs, but what they were was they were operators that were building machines, aka companies, that were built for financial arbitrage. People have been building startups that are predicated on raising the next round. You've been building your company for user growth to raise your next round. You're not building a company. And so look, and this is not me standing on my high horse right before shit hits the fan. In 2009, and Jeff, you know this better than anybody in the room, in 2009, at the height of my career, bless you, as I, listen, I get it. Does anybody else weirdly love to sneeze? Anybody? You do? I'm super into it, it gives me like a weird high. You too? What is that? Okay, let's figure it out later. At the height of my career, by the way, just for context, I got much worse at investing, but my first three investments were Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. So I'm in that, I'm friends with Zucks, friends with Travis from Uber, Um, Crush It just came out and it's killing, Um, everything's going great, and in the middle, and this is 2009, it's all about to happen, I'm at the height, I'm one of the 20 most followed people on Twitter and Twitter's just starting to matter. Me and my brother start a client service business. A client service business, something that is really at the lowest end of admiral startups, right? Just a eight times EBITDA business, like a not super sexy, like eat shit from clients all day, right? And so, so this is not me post-gaming or Monday morning quarterback, this is me telling you what I've been doing with my behavior. While all this was available to me, nobody could have raised more money than me in 2009 and 10. I'm right there at the top of it. All that, I had already built a $65 million business. I'm at the top of my game and I took four steps back, including being ridiculed and made fun of by my internet famous friends. I went and built VaynerMedia. AJ even to, you know, didn't love it because all his friends were millionaires on paper joining Path and, you know, and Dig and Reddit and all this stuff. And we kind of struggled with it for the first two years because it was hard. It was a big, 
humble pie that I had to eat. I had to go into brand manager meetings and it was crazy for where I was in my career but I was self-aware to know what I was capable of building that would be successful. And in the 48 months since I've really run it, it's been alive for six years, I've grown that company from 30 to 650 employees from three to $100 million in revenue, right? And not pass through revenue of media, like we do 100 million, right? And in current 2.5 to three time revenue valuations for agencies, it's a 250 to $300 million valuation with a business that's gonna kick $17 million in profit this year. That me and my brother and my partner, right? And that one you can clap because that was real execution in the face of a lot of sexy other things to do. In the face of, and I wasn't a kid, I'd already made it and I still went practical. The level of practicality, the level of self-awareness, the level of patience, the level of humility, the level of empathy to the market and gratitude for your opportunities and the level of understanding what's happening in the macro and microeconomic climate in our space is shit. And it's about to hit the fan and so I highly recommend if you take anything from my talk tonight, I would ask you to do one thing. Start the process of becoming much more honest with yourself. It will help you make much better decisions and it will help you in the long run. It may not taste as fun or as glamorous in the short term, but it will put you in a much better position. Because something I've learned, as this has become more obvious to me in the last year, as I started doing the Ask Gary V show and started giving more EQ, more self-awareness, more those kind of talks, and as I wrote this book, I started realizing, huh, I started asking more questions. And when, because I was so isolated from Silicon Valley, when I built my Web 1.0 company, started talking to a lot of my 40 and 50 year old friends at these companies, at GE, at Procter & Gamble, at Fox News, at Turner, at Toyota, at all my big clients, Fortune 500. And you know what I realized? Holy shit, a lot of these 40 and 50 year old friends of mine, they were all worth millions of dollars in 1999 on paper in Silicon Valley. Because the next wave of what we just lived through is a lot of people getting jobs. And so, You can either right now with my advice, if you believe me, for the three of you in here, you can either take your business and start becoming practical with it and try to build a business that makes money instead of trying to position it for your next round or you could start dusting off your resume and trying to get the best first jobs that are about to become available as all this shit is gonna hit the fan because I promise you, it is. And so I'm not here to doomsday, I'm here to go practical. And the level of practicality in our space is grossly missing. And so I I hope you heed that. Now, at the same token, let me go crazy optimistic on you. This is why this is the most interesting time in my career. In parallel, this is not 1999 and 2000 when the internet wasn't ready and wasn't at scale and it wasn't just there yet. This is at a time where you can build something that can go from zero to 100 million users in 18 months because we're at full scale. We're at mobile revolution. So with all this talk of me telling you like, you suck and shit's about to hit the fan, in parallel, there may be three people in here that are poised because I promise you, Airbnb and Uber and companies like that and even potentially, hopefully I'm an investor, Drizzly and things like that, these are the previews. They're not anomalies. So in parallel to 98% joker land fake entrepreneur, everybody thinks they're one, in parallel, 
there's gonna be an enormous amount of companies in the next 24 months, maybe more than in the last 24 months, that go on to become the Slacks and the Ubers of the world because there's so much opportunity, because Andreessen's right, software is absolutely eating up the world and every single thing that we are, as humans are inefficient at will be closed the gap by technology. So it's an interesting place, you know, I have a, a lot, I'm about to close a very large fund and probably a $100 million fund, it's gonna be funny for me to deploy capital during this because I know so many people are posers, but I also know that there's gonna be so many opportunities for big businesses to be built. And so I think we're sitting in a very interesting time. And I think the, the reason I decided to put the word self-awareness as one of the key title parts of this book is I think we start having a very important conversation of self-awareness because there is another part, and I'll open up Q&A, to this self-awareness thing. The dirty little secret about our world that is not being talked enough about is depression and suicide. My friends, in a world where everybody is cheering when you get a series A or B check, which means you've just given up a piece of your business, by the way, um, and in a world where everybody's gonna crush it and everybody's gonna win, there are a lot of people, especially when they were built to be good students and be good number fours and sevens, that when they go to be a one, and after a life full of winning, because they understood that system, they go into the actual marketplace. No more rich friends and families and connections in private school and good universities. No, real shit, the fucking game. Nobody gives a fuck who your dad is. That game, when they go to that game and they lose, it's tough. And if we keep telling everybody that it's so easy to do it, and if we don't start talking about that the entry level to be in the top 1% earners in America is only $400,000 a year. And they use the word only because nobody here is even in the mindset of million dollar or bust, right? We need to start having proper conversations. If we don't start talking about 95 plus percent of your startups will fail. If we don't do that, then we're really doing disservice to the people that join the greatest thing in the world, in my opinion, which is capitalism, entrepreneurship, market dynamics, what makes this place great. And so I'm not saying this because I wanna sit on my high horse, I'm saying this right here and saying we have to start having much, much, much more honest conversations in our space because we're doing nobody any good. I had a meeting the other day where a person I invested in Lost his company, it's gone, it's over. It'll be shutting down next 15 days. He had one last ditch effort on a down round, didn't happen, it's over. By the way, get ready to read a shitload of articles about down rounds this summer. Anyway, over, dead, right? And he goes, I, you know, I'm ups- I, have a, I guess I, have, I mean, I have a sad face during the meeting because it's a sad event, right? Like, it's over. And he sees that I'm sad, he goes, oh, Gary, don't worry. Like, I'll be fine. I, I learned a lot through this process. I said, motherfucker. I'm worried about the $150,000 you lost of mine. I'm not worried about you. Like, I gave you money and you fucking lost. Like, this notion that this is play money or who cares, the VCs don't care. Like, I fucking care. I came from Zip. I lived in a studio apartment with eight family members the size of this stage. When I write a check, it hurts. I want you to win. I want you to do something. I'm not worried about your education process of the entrepreneurial journey, fucker. Seriously. That meeting caught me off guard. He seems, like, we are broken. We are not having the right conversations. And I'm trying to give everybody in this room, anybody that watches my show, anybody that reads my book, a six to 12 month head start that is going to pay dividends for them if they either choose to do one of two things. Look in the mirror and recognize and figure out if they have the luxury of having self-awareness, is this maybe not what they're about? 
And number two, if it is, to figure out how that business makes money in the next six minutes. Thank you. My man. I'm gonna repeat these questions. We, we don't have a second mic to run, do we? Okay. Alright, so you talk a lot about uh, Facebook ads like being the cheapest thing out there. Not the okay. cheapest Not thing, the cheapest. just the best, best value, yes. Right. Um, so what do you think about like Instagram ads? And then I have a follow-up to that. Um, you're telling people to do book reviews uh, on Instagram? Okay. Yes. Um, what do you think about like the long yeah. form content on So two things. Instagram not working the way I thought it was gonna work today, nine months ago, is the stunning, most stunning thing that's happening in tech for me. The fact that Facebook's backend isn't accurately working on deploying Instagram ads is stunning. Like, what I mean by that is, when I target 18 to 22 year old African American males on a piece of content on Instagram, 54 year old old white women shouldn't be showing up in my comments, but they are. And that doesn't happen on Facebook and it is on Instagram. So Instagram is not working yet like punchline, it's not consistently working, and they're still trying to, because I think they're trying to figure out their cadence on how much they want to deploy there, right? Because it's such a golden goose. But I think Instagram, the reason I ask for people to review my book, not on Amazon, definitely not on Twitter, definitely not on their blog, the reason I asked everybody to, who, would, who would do it, to review my book in long form on Instagram with a picture and 25 sentences on Instagram is two reasons. One, day trading attention. From an organic standpoint, the number one platform in the world right now is Instagram. So if, any, if you have 300 followers across the board, the best chance for me to get people to know what I want from you is on Instagram. It has the best depth from organic reach. Go ahead, I see so, one asking something. So from a long form content standpoint, uh, you found people engaging more? Yes, so that's part two. Okay. We do tons of testing at VaynerMedia at scale, we know that long form posts on Facebook and Instagram are over indexing short letter f- posts right now. Yet every single person on earth tells you that's not true. Go home tonight for kicks and giggles if you have a Facebook fan page, put a picture up and write 12 sentences and copy. Watch what happens to your organic reach. So like to me bro, the, the truth is when you day trade attention, no romance. For example, I know that seven minute videos on Facebook dominate but everybody tells you to write short 30 second clips because it's micro content and social media and da 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 da. My man, we live in a world of headline readers. Somebody reads one person say something and it becomes the momentum. We don't have practitioners. The reason I maintain my personal brand is because I'm better at social media than anybody that works for me and we're the best social media agency in the world. Yes, Jeff. So uh, a lot of investors talk about user acquisition versus building a business. Of course, because the VC game is predicated on having one unicorn drive your entire fund and if you can get one company to really crush it because they became 200 million users, you pay for your whole thing. But the 99 other companies that you tell to do that go out of business. Building a business that makes money is usually a good idea when you're building a business. (laughs) I'm I'm into it. I think it's a good strategy. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, a mic, awesome. Thank you, brother. You'll run around? Yeah. Very interesting talk. Um, Thank you, Paul. So you're talking about the, the oppression and the, the struggles of the founder. Yes. Um, I wonder how you deal with like sort of the self-doubt. The what? The self-doubt. Or do you have the self-doubt. Do I? Yeah. I don't, but that's because my mother hyperbolized the shit out of me and over like built my self-esteem. 
In business, I don't have doubt. In swimming, huge doubt. I suck at swimming. I'm scared of swimming. I don't, but I only don't in a very specific and narrow reason. And again, it's fun to have you, Jeff, here. Jeff is somebody I worked with um, very early on when we started Vayner. I just stay in my lane. Like this is back to self-awareness. I stay in my lane. I'm a salesman, I'm a business builder. I've done it my whole life. I was an F student at 13 and 14. My friend's parents told my friends not to hang out with me because I was a loser. I'm more successful than my entire graduating class combined. Like, like, this is because the market doesn't understand that people don't get it. You have to double down on your strengths and you have to punt your weaknesses. In America, there's billions of dollars made on selling you how to fix the things that you're not good at. It's a huge mistake. You need to figure out who you are and go all in. That's what I did. And so when you talk about business or marketing, when you talk about the New York Jets, and when you talk about wine, I've got nothing but bravado. Everything else, you should see me sitting around dinner tables right now talking about politics. The level of humility and the level of listening, you wouldn't expect from me because that's not how you're used to consuming me. I'm loud and proud because I only stay in my lane. Pay very close attention. I've got nine years of content on the internet now, maybe a little bit more. I've stayed very, very, very narrow. For me, it's lucky. The reason I've been able to kind of grow is my narrow thing is consumer behavior, which I can deploy against anything. So my narrow thing happens to be quite wide, which allows me to play. It allows me to be a good investor. It allows me to run businesses. It allows me to be a personal brand. Like, it allows me to do things. But I don't waver from that, you know? Okay. I don't talk about building product. I've been around startups my whole life. I don't talk about product. I'm pretty good at UI, UX. All my, I mean, Ed Williams and, and, and David Carr from Tumblr, they always like, give me good daps behind the scenes that I'm good at it because it's a little consumer, be, it's consumer behavioral kind of. So I, I, have, I have good feels. I used to know how to lay out my liquor store and that's how, why I did well in e-commerce early on. I just think about, all I do is deploy empathy at scale. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an empathy machine. That's what I do. So, so on the flip side, for the people that do have self-doubt, that I feel like I'm the most extreme purebred entrepreneur. You're the wrong person to ask. I'm not the wrong person to ask, I'm just a North Star over here and I think the more you have self-doubt is the further away you are from being a purebred number one to run a company. Like everybody knows that VaynerMedia is a moldable dictatorship, right? Like you can sell me, you just better fucking bring it because I've got fucking ideas, you know? So I don't yearn at all for, but what that makes me think is this goes back to self-awareness. Maybe you need a co-founder. Maybe you need to bring in a secondary, since you've already built something, a 20% co-founder. If you're yearning for that, then you shouldn't listen to Gary Vee saying, fuck co-founder, I don't give a fuck, I'm a dictator. You should be like, no, no, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I need. And who cares what anybody says about giving. If, do you know how many things I do that make no sense to people on paper? I gave AJ 50% of VaynerMedia when we started it. I had all the leverage. I was 11 years older, I got us all the clients, I was the social media guy, I did everything. And he had 50% of the business because I knew that's what felt right in the energy of our brothership. So I make decisions all the time. I, stole, I sold Stephen Ross, owner of the Miami Dolphins related real estate, a 30% share of VaynerMedia three and a half years ago when I knew I was building the business from three to 100 million in a heartbeat because I want to buy the New York Jets and so I left tens of millions of dollars on the table to be in the ecosystem of the NFL family. 
Like I make decisions all the time that are not predicated on money. So if you feel in your heart, if that was the question you decided to ask me, you should probably bring in a real co-founder that has minority interest and who cares if everybody told you that it was a bad deal that you gave her 20%. It's a great deal for you because you know what you need. Way too many people in this room listening to the market or the five tips or somebody else's advice that did it. Nobody's done it the way I did it and I'm not listening to anybody about it. Everybody asks me, who's your mentors? No one. (laughs) Myself. Me. And we're not, and maybe I'm too far, and I respect that. I know what that sounds like if you've never heard me. I'd be like, I'm, I'm not confused that there's 8% of people in here be like, fuck this guy, he's got a huge fucking ego. I get it. But I know that a lot of people aren't doing any of what I just did in that rant, and I'd like you to do a little more of it. Questions? Let's get the guy a mic. Nice running. Good form. Good form. All right, great talk. So, um, you're obviously fantastic at consumer behavior, understanding how the consumer is thinking and marketing to the consumer. But the consumer is totally fickle, right? So you gotta be ready to pivot, you gotta be ready to Every day. where they're going. How much of that's gut versus data? How do you it's all, data? For me it's all gut, and then I put data against it to prove me right or wrong. That's what I do. I built VaynerMedia to scale me. Uh, VaynerMedia was built to build the machine, I call it machines, people, the, the organizational scale of me. So I intuitively feel like something was happening with Snapchat in the summer and then I deployed people, the math nerds, she's and he's in my organization that love math, that don't have intuitive DNA, that don't like EQ, that don't like people, but boy they fucking love numbers. And then I have them double check and call my bullshit, but I move before they come back. Because it's worth it for me to lose because if I'm right, which I've been right enough that I wanna keep going, the upside's incredible in the first mover land grab of this stuff because it is a marketplace and they do move and they move fast. They move real fast. You just wake up and it's over. Like, I built my brand on Twitter. I was at the top of the heap. Top. I'm devastated that that's the one that kind of faded off from attention. But I've written articles two and a half years ago about my concerns about this. You know, like it was happening. I can taste it. Back to being an actual practitioner. I knew that when I had 50,000 followers on Twitter and said, follow my boy Nate, a thousand people would do it. And then I knew today with my 1.2 million, if I said, follow my boy, follow my girl Susan, like 49 would. I'm like, uh uh, this is not good. You know, like I could just, you know, taste it. Because it's all, guys. Uh, The level of disrespect that I have for impressions and all that stuff, this is about attention. I'm not day trading impressions. I can get you impressions, you want one cent YouTube, you want a million views on every YouTube video you you can do, I can get them for you right now, one cent. I know how to pre-roll it, let's do it. 10,000 bucks, good, all day. You could say you're fucking Casey Neistat. You know, so like, you know, I think that people don't get it. I don't, I think that people don't get it. And honestly, very honestly, as I get older, Oh, he left, like, uh, or he moved. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting more confident because as I've gone higher up the ranks and now hang out with Fortune 500 CEOs and I've watched you know, my homies become the most respected business people in the world, I'm starting to realize like, oh shit, maybe I'm too humble. Maybe I really got gifted. Maybe I'm fucking LeBron. Like, I really, like, I really know what's going on. I mean, I know what's going, like I know VR is gonna happen and I know a lot of VCs are gonna lose a shitload of money because they're betting on consumer VR which is 20 years away. 
but it, but I'm betting on B two B VR like crazy. I'm I'm learning everything I can about what Facebook, Apple, and Google and Amazon think about VR, and I'm going backwards. I'm investing in VR sound. I didn't even know VR sound existed, but I know the thesis. I know the pattern recognition. I know how this shit plays out. Yes, darling. Sorry about that, my man. Sorry. Let me give to her the mic. You stay there. Speaking of gut versus data, you spoke a little bit about how you have a team of nerds basically in the back end crunching through numbers. Um, you, you talked a little bit about how you know all this information and data about Instagram and Twitter and all these other sites. Do you read research reports? And do you have your team build models on that? Is that how you know all that information and what's your source? No. <laughs> I don't. And, and it's really... Do you just like read online? No. You you'll like this. I think you're gonna like this and you'll see why I don't read research reports. First of all, I was never smart enough or educated to even know shit like that existed in my 20s. As I got into my mid-30s and understood there was shit like Forrester and this, that, and the other thing, once I realized who was doing that work, I became less interested in it because these were people that I... Like especially when social media reporting started happening, I'm like, that guy? Works for Forrester? This is fucked. Because I knew, I knew, you know, I knew who, so here's what I do. You're gonna find this wild. I consume almost no media, period. Like when I tell you none, it's the scariest thing when people ask me, what do you read? Where do you get, like, I don't read anything. All I do all day is watch people at scale on platforms. So what I mean by that? I mean that I'm basically consuming people's actions on social networks across the web. So what I do for a living is I'll go to Hershey Kisses Facebook page and read every single thing that a normal human being does. I go to Twitter and look at, for four hours, look at everything. And I'm at scale now where I have so much inbound, I'm watching their behaviors and their reactions to my, all, my own stuff. And then I'm watching, I'm watching exactly how people are responding right now to Kate Hudson's Snapchat stories, right? Or what people are doing with Jake Paul on Musical.ly from junior high behavior. And then I'm projecting what I intuitively think is behavior that ages up from the teens to mainstream, AKA why I loved Facebook, AKA why I'm so bullish on Snapchat. I know this maps to 40 and 50 year olds. Or let me rephrase, I really think I know and I think it will. And so what I'm really doing is watching people. Like for example, I can't, you know why I love to travel more than any other reason? just really watching what people do on their phone at airports. Literally watched at scale, people stop going to Hudson News and buying things and just going in their Instagram feed, right? So what I'm doing is I'm making pretty quick judgments. You know, I married my wife four minutes into our first date. <laughs> and we met on J-Date. So like, I mean, blind, four minutes in, we were married within a year, best decision of my life. Hands down, not even close. So I'm intuitive, right? Like seven minutes into the internet, I was on a built-in board and I'm like, I'm gonna start a wine store on the internet. I didn't even have, I didn't even know what the internet was. So I definitely ju- go, jump quickly because, but the way I'm doing my decision making is watching people. It's why I'm so scared for the death of Twitter and why I'm so excited to then invest in the next Twitter because the water cooler of society is not going away. Without Twitter, there's nowhere to talk about the presidential debate. Not seamlessly, it's harder on Instagram it's harder on Facebook for us to do what we like to do there. So shame on them for not evolving the product to keep people's attention and never fully be explained to normals, you know? But for me, 
it would be devastating because I can't just use it because it never went to Facebook scale. So I need that. And then I just do simple stuff like other things that people don't think about. When I opened an office in Chattanooga, Tennessee, everybody's like, why did VaynerMedia open an office in Chattanooga, Tennessee? Because there's two different Americas. There's a very different America between Boston, New York, LA, and San Francisco and Chattanooga, Tennessee. So I forced myself into pockets there. But it's mainly just watching. Like, I, like I'm watch, basically, I'm listening 24-7, 365. I'm listening to the questions that are being asked here. It's why I started, it's why I'm branding myself as an ask me questions because I'm getting double benefit. I'm bringing you value and I'm learning from where the wave of questions are going. Um, so basically my entire being is predicated on listening which fucks with people because I'm such a loud mouth and they think I'm always talking. It's, but I'm, I'm listening, man. I would like you to, I don't, I don't have a question, but maybe. Repeat what I talked about? Just a How to find self-awareness? Self-awareness, just because I, I think it's, because everybody talks about emotional IQ and intelligence. Yes. But self-awareness is the core. The core. Thank you, thank you for that. Glad I put my picture in the book. Um, <laughs> fought that one. Uh, so I, in that article I talk, I've been trying to, so I'm not, back to the last question, I really appreciate you asking that. I have a lot of shortcomings. I'm not, like I didn't go to school for anthropology. I don't, I don't technically know the pillars of, the, of what's taught or widely accepted around human behavior. I don't know if it's accepted in society that Self-awareness, actually, I'll weirdly ask you guys, like, is self-awareness being talked about as something that people think is teachable? I mean, there's some people shaking the yes. Here's what I know. I'm not sure. I definitely think it's a DNA thing. However, I gave my at-bat in that article to how to figure it out, and here's how it goes. I think you need to take the seven, four, eight, two, nine closest people in your life, closest, in a couple of different circles. Find that inner circle and go on a crazy journey where you literally spend a week or a month actually making them comfortable for the next meeting, which is giving them permission to tell you the truth. The people that know you the best and love you the most are not gonna tell you the truth on the shortcomings, which is the key to the conversation. You know, the reason I oftentimes give very blunt answers in Q and A's that people are always surprised by is I think I'm bringing them value. I'm trying to tell them what I think is the situation and I don't like, you know what's ironic? You'd find this funny. In public settings, I'm quite a straight shooter. In private settings, I've only now gotten to a place where I'm doing a better job with my employees by deploying critical feedback because I used to not like confrontation. So I'm crippled by confrontation. Like crippled by it. Which would be funny because as there's more people and more cameras, I'm quite combative. Yet in real life when I run my business, my biggest shortcoming was because I didn't want to give Chris a negative review, I would never do it and then I would sandbag him out of nowhere he'd be fired with not knowing how it happened. I did a terrible job as the operator of Wine Library and I would actually give my brother AJ a lot of credit because he was, even though he's 11 years younger than me, he was better at it when we started Vayner and I didn't want him to be better at something than me so I got competitive and I got good at it. So like, I'm not even joking, that's why it happened. Like, it came from a, you know, all my good stuff comes from this negative, competitive, I want to kill everybody kind of place. So, I, I, uh, Anyway, um, I think you have to make the people closest to you safe to give you real feedback. And, and I really think that I, I just, I, it's so obvious now. I feel old and wise. Oh, I've always felt that. But now, with 20 years under my belt, it is just so obvious to me who's winning and who's losing. And it's the people that understand themselves first that are winning. 
and are not worried about what others say and can get into that safe place. You know, it's funny. When it comes to business and careers and entrepreneurship, we have these lofty visions that we don't have for us athletically or in the arts. Like, you know, like people very quickly realize they're not Kobe or Beyonce. But for some reason, everybody thinks that they can build a million dollar business when the data shows you that it's for so few. Like, I've been hot on this new $400,000 a year thing. I don't think most people know it. The 1%, the most competitive, best market in the world of all humans, America. And that's true. This is the purest form of capitalism, period. I think China's incredible, but coming from a communist country and studying it, there's plenty of things that we don't talk about to why WeChat can get so big. It's not America. Zucks doesn't go to Barack and say, yo, hook it up, kill Snapchat. So, you know, (laughs) so, so we're naive in America about that. So, this is the market. This is it. This is the big leagues. America. And in America, to be in the 1%, for all you math people, that's very hard. That's the best. The entry level is making $400,000 a year. And yet, we're in this place where it's like billy or bust. Like people are trying, like, like we've got three, guys, for every Instagram and Uber and Slack, there's eight billion shit. <laughs> and yet, that's what the barometer is and what it's doing is it's making everybody try to build those things when there's people in here that can actually build a business that gets them $400,000 a year by being the CEO and the distributions at the end of the year. We're making a big mistake. So, I'm, you know, I feel like when I'm done by the Jets in 20 years, this and that, I'm gonna build a self-awareness institute or something. Hopefully science will kind of, I don't know, I gotta, I gotta find my kind of compliment partner that understands the things that I don't know, but in my heart, right here, right in here. I know that, I just need the nerd to tell me this is the deal, I'm like, that's right, but there's this miss. I need more grounded stuff but I know that self-awareness is the thing. It's the thing. Because, let me explain to you what happens with self-awareness when you've got it at an extreme level. You, be, you start the process of being internally happy. Because what self-awareness allows you to do is to accept your shortcomings and focus on your strengths. And what it does is it allows you to navigate other people. You know what else happens with self-awareness? You start developing empathy and all the other things around it, gratitude, and all of a sudden, you know what else happens? People stop letting you down. Do you know that nobody can let me down? I get it. I have empathy. I have self-awareness. I get it. Like, jab, 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 right hook. Right, my last book. Give, 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 ask. Too many people read it 14 times and think it says give, 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 take. Or get. No, no, no. Ask. I just went through this book tour. The way I do, I just launched it on Tuesday. The way I roll, the week before I go into full sales mode. I hit up everybody and say, yo homie, I've done some good shit for you. And in detail, no bulk fucking email. But this week, an individual that I made a million dollars by getting them into an angel deal that sold, that they would have never gotten into, that they called me and begged me to get into and I got them into, bought three books. I don't feel like that was a good exchange for all the other things I did. And you would be stunned how much it doesn't even register as a negative. Because I get it, he didn't, you know, didn't put the pieces together, it's okay. And so, self-awareness, telling you guys, stop lying to yourselves. It's the single gravest mistake. Gary, so, would you take, like, would you be thinking about it twice, giving, helping that guy a second time? Or would you always help? Oh, that's, oh, thank you for saying that. I'll help that guy 40 more times. I look at it as a net human thing. Maybe Sally sucks shit, but Ricky's better, and net-net, it's even. 
So I'm never, I don't hold grudges, I don't get sad, I'm like zenned out about it. Like, even my own well-being. I love capitalism and market dynamics so much that if I deserve to go out of business, I deserve to go out of business. Do you know where I'm spending the most time on right now? With my old white male friends. All these 60 and 70 year olds that think they're capitalists and they're Americans and this and that and what they wanna do is support a Republican to do laws that will let them save and hold on to more of their money. I think they're fucking losers. Nobody saves IBM or BMW. There's no laws that just because you were a good business for 30 years, this president's gonna save you. Yet these high net worth individuals want laws to save them because they're old and tired and they wanna be on yachts. Fuck you, keep working. <laughs> Let's go with you and the lady behind you and then you and then I'll kick to that guy and then we'll wrap. Yep. Yes, my question's about Mike. Questions about location. You location. Mentioned, you mentioned your Chattanooga office. Yes. I've been to Chattanooga. Yes. And I'm just wondering, what have you learned, or what have you gotten out of that office that you wouldn't have gotten out of New York or LA or something? Nothing yet. It's nine months old, but I'm starting to see the early stages of my executives there, starting to understand what it's like to make twenty-seven thousand dollars a year, have three kids, and shop at Dollar General every day. Got it? Like all of a sudden, the big ideas aren't like hey, let's take our customers and put them in Uber with freshly squeezed juice. All of a sudden they've become much more practical out of that office to make people buy shit. Got it? Hi. Hi. Um, What's your name? My name's Jean. Jean. And I'm the co-founder of a social media company that specializes in the restaurant and wine industry. Amazing. I will go to the ends of the earth to promote my clients effectively, but I am pretty terrible at self-promoting. Interesting. and you're the best at it. So, yes. <laughs> um, I think the best thing is really trying to reverse engineer why you're not good at it. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to get that real and say it out loud in front of all these people. I'm more than happy to do it with you for five minutes ad hoc one day this summer, but it's trying to understand whether it's your own confidence. Do you not think you deserve it yet because you're early in your career? Look at me. I might be the best at it. I didn't start it until I was 34 years old after 12 years of building an actual business that I think then I had the, that I had the ability or the audacity to go out and say, hey, look at me, I did something. I didn't, so you're, on, you're very young, so maybe, maybe you think it's that. It's first unlocking why. Next, understanding do you actually need it. So nobody, the Nike CEO isn't good at self-promotion. They just make great fucking product. There's, you know, I think there's a bad conversation that all CEOs or it's really great to be like this and then it helps your business. There's way more businesses making way more money where you have no idea who the CEO is than there are the alternative. So I wouldn't get so caught up. Stuart Butterfield isn't crushing the personal brand game but Slack's doing just okay. So I think first you have to decide if, if you have to do that uh, if you aspire to do that, you've got to go inside and figure out what's held you back. Does that make sense? That makes perfect I think too many people are like, you need to build your brand and it'll bring you new clients. You know what brings you way more clients? You know what brings VaynerMedia way more clients than Gary self-promoting? Doing great fucking work and then them telling other people to hire us. That's why I've survived so far. Go figure. <laughs> cool. Thank you. You're welcome. This gentleman right here? And then I'll go to back. You got it. What's up, Gary? Thank you for your time. Appreciate no worries, it. Jack. Yep. Uh, so I actually bought my first bottle of wine from Wine Library TV last week. Thank you, brother. Um, 
My question is, anyone who's watched the other video probably will understand you are like a master of communication. Okay. Um, appreciation of your employees. So the question is, who are some other business men or women who you think um, are kind of masters of communication? Because um, we've been able to see how far that goes and solving problems and just moving the ball forward. Truth is, I don't know. You know, really, I don't. Like, I don't mind standing up here and answering, I don't know, when I don't, I don't. Back to, back to that lovely lady's question, like, I spend no time trying to figure out what Tony Shea or Richard Branson or Zucks or Travis are doing. I just don't have time for it. The only thing I do is consume people, so if I hear about them, I'm hearing the headlines about those people, but I know what the headlines say about me, so I know there's, uh, you know, different, you know, when Business Insider's trying to get links, that's what the headline is, right? So the truth is I don't know. I can tell you this, Tony Shea is wildly famous for company culture. He's a horrible internal communicator. He's quite introverted. He understands the value of it. He built brand around it. He's a great dude. He's massively awkward one-on-one. Like his daily V, the, you know, the daily Shea looks very different than what you've been watching, what I've been putting out. I'm in the business of five minute one-on-one meetings because I, you can, you, I mean, look at the last one we just had. I promise you that was good fucking advice with being cold and knowing nothing. Can you imagine if she worked for me for 18 months and I know that she loves golf and that she's great with her sister and she did great on the Budweiser account but not as good on Hasbro because Hasbro did that. Like, when I have context, I, five minutes might be too much for me to be able to do my thing. Got it? Let's run him back the mic, jump in the back. We can get that for you. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I assume, I, you know, I always assume that any company that has great culture for real, not publicly, but for real, probably has somebody at the top that's really good at it or understands it and empowers his or her HR departments and people. For example, VaynerMedia, we're uh, about to announce a new position, chief heart officer. That's who's sitting over our HR. But the reason we have such great HR is almost everybody that works for Vayner is an account supervisor and an HR, a creative director and an HR. A lot of people go to different people in my company for HR, usually senior people in departments that aren't even in HR. My man. Hi Gary, my name is Tom. Tom. Uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, Counter puncher that you are. Yes. Uh, but following this self-awareness path, yes. you're on this mission. Yes. Uh, do you uh, have a vision, can you offer us a vision for what you see beyond Twitter and beyond Facebook? The truth is I don't predict. You know, so I don't have an answer for that. You know, I'm a counterpuncher. I'm reacting, I'm day trading. I don't know what's being invented. I don't know the two girls at UCLA right now inventing the next thing. What I do, what I can tell you is I'm always keeping tabs at things at all times. So right now on my tab list is Peach, is Anchor, is Musical.ly, is After School. So those are four platforms that I'm paying close attention to. I've also got a quarter of an eye on some things that are more mature that with a tweak or two could be much bigger. SoundCloud, Kick, Wattpad. So those are seven things, stocks, that I'm watching that potentially could be interesting to me. But I can tell you, they're very easily become sound, you know, they, those companies can easily become social code and plurk and all these other things that have happened through the years. So I, would, I don't talk about them publicly. What I usually do is I'll put it into an answer of Daily V or Ask Gary V. I'll write one Medium article about my intuition on him. I'll answer you right now and I know DRock's recording it so I'll have the copy. But I don't do what I did with Snapchat on, in January 1st where I come out and say, boom, bye. These are things on the watch list. And the truth is, my watch list very rarely has brought something to buy. 
Because there's only a couple things to buy. You know? There's, you, I mean, guys, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, I mean, like, there's like eight of them. Instagram, like, like how, why does everybody think they're gonna build the next fucking Snapchat? There's like eight of them in 12 years. There's been eight started since I started this talk. Mark. You talk about self-awareness, which I think is fantastic. Yes. Uh, when are you gonna become self-aware of the fact that the Jets suck? <laughs> <laughs> you can own them, Gary, but they're still gonna suck. I doubt that, my man. How about that? I think, uh, I think look, some people are lucky enough that they stumble into a miracle in the sixth round and good stuff happens, and others don't. Somebody, somebody gets hurt first. But you know what I mean? I mean, like, look, let's not get too crazy on this Patriots dynasty. If it was so mastermind, you know, then they would have taken the guy in the first round, not the sixth. So, there's a lot, sports is not okay, business. Not no, kind of, it's <laughs> a really good idea, actually. I was about to get nasty. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I wish you well. <laughs>